and welcome to episode four of the People Still Read Books podcast. I am your host, Will Leach. As always, thank you for sticking with us on this podcast. It's getting better. I think it's getting perfect. I am honored, mind you as always, by the way, before I even tell you who's on the show today, to follow us on Twitter at Still Read Books. Email me. People still read books at gmail.com. It goes to a cadre of assistants and cake tasters before it arrives on my desk. But know that eventually, if it is worthy, it will make its way to me. This week, I am delighted to have an old friend, old friend, who I've known for a very, very long time, uh, kind of came up with me in the world of the blogs of sport his name is Spencer Hall. Spencer Hall, might know him from Every Day Should Be Saturday, his long-running website. These days, he has a he has works with the Moon Crew. He has a newsletter called the Moon Crew, which is good. Kind of his old SB Nation guys. Host of the Shutdown Fullcast. On Monday nights on the SEC Network, which I get here in Athens, Georgia, but you might not. You can watch him on the show Thinking Out Loud, 7 o'clock Eastern Time. I'm sure he'll talk about the Georgia Bulldogs wipeout of the Auburn Tigers on Saturday evening. But today, he is here to talk about the book that he wrote along with Richard Johnson, Jason Kirk, Alex Kirshner, and illustrator Tyson Wedding. The book is The Sinful Seven, Sci-Fi Western Legends of the NCAA. It is an ebook, and it kind of was a result... SB Nation, or Vox, if you will, laid off or furloughed a large part of their college football staff. Uh, SB Nation was very much run as a college football crew, in large part because of Spencer's leadership. And so they put together this ebook. And I remember I sat down to read the ebook and I thought, okay, well, they put together this ebook. They need something to do in between the time of SB Nation, whatever the next thing is. I'm sure this is kind of some slap together, uh, you know, 50 page. But I will buy it because I'm supporting them because I love these guys. And uh, it turned out to be like a 325 full, big, huge book. And it's like part novel. The novel part is almost like a Western. Uh, a uh, Spencer will talk about it, but it's almost like a Larry McMurtry meets a... Yeah, probably Larry McMurtry, I would say. It's not really the starkness of a Cormac McCarthy. More like a Larry McMurtry kind of matter-of-fact Western. Uh, that is also an allegory for the history of college football and is interspersed with essays about college football. Uh, it's a terrific book if you like college football. I will tell you, even if you don't know college football very well, uh, you will love Spencer's section because it is fiction and it is written like an old-timey uh, grab it, the, the paperback with one hand, buy it at the gas station kiosk western. Uh, that I know that my family, people in my family have always loved. It's very much an homage to that. And a fun one to read itself. Spencer is a fascinating guy. Uh, I've known him for a very long time. Uh, and you'll love the book. So you can get the book. Uh, just type in The Sinful Seven. You can get it in a lot of places. So Gum Road is the best way it's uh, it's published. But uh, it's The Sinful Seven, Sci-Fi Western Legends of the NCAA. So uh, Spencer and I recorded this conversation uh, before, not only before... The president of the United States developed uh, a contagious, deadly disease that has roiled all of human life on this planet for the past few several months. Uh, we actually did it before the debate, so not that we were going to be talking the politics anyway, but just know this, in a way, feels like spoken to you from the before time. <laughs> but nevertheless, uh, those are all the things that are going on. So anyway, remind you, as always, 
Follow the, the podcast at Still Read Books. Email me, people still read books at gmail.com if you'd like to talk about your book on the podcast or if you have if you represent authors that you would like to have on the podcast. Good shows all around. So now here is Spencer Hall. I am delighted. Can anyone be delighted by anything these days? If I could be delighted by something, I would be delighted to have today's guest on the People Still Read Books podcast. It is the great, the immortal, he cannot die. It is Spencer Hall, author, co-author and uh, fiction author of The Sinful Seven, Sci-Fi Western Legends of the NCAA. You can tell, by the way, that this is not this was not put through the arms of a major publisher because the subtitle is not 87 words. It is actually concise and put together like a normal book. Spencer, uh, uh, how, how are you? Uh, uh, thanks for coming on with me. I'm about how everyone else is, yeah, which, so- is which is kind of past clarifications between good or bad or various degrees thereof. No, I'm, 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 I'm in it. I'm, I'm yes. fully in it, and I suspect that, you know, one day we'll all look back on this, and we won't laugh because we'll remember how much it sucked for the rest of our lives. As, as someone that is constitutionally, and I would say uh, pathologically, uh, attempting to be chipper about everything all the time, uh, my my, uh, I'm a man with a specific set of skills, and they are being tested. <laughs> I don't think there's any question about that. Um but let's talk about Happy Things, which is the book. Uh, and I love the book. I was very excited. Uh, I, I actually, proud to report, I bought your book twice. <laughs> I Thank bought your you. book twice because I bought it the first time and then you did like a little promotion on the day of it ran out. And I, 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 I basically just wanted a shout out from Spencer Hall on Twitter. So I got it. So I bought it twice. Um, so my... I'm fascinated kind of by like the structure of really how it came together because it's uh, when I first heard about it, I thought, oh, well, this is nice because I know that uh, we can get into the, the SB Nation stuff and everything with that. But I thought, wow, this is put together pretty quickly. I bet this will be a little lark. What a fun thing to be able to help support. Th- oh, no. Wow. This is like a real book. This is like a real serious uh, thing on this. And I'm curious how the process come together. You have like this fiction, this fictional story, this allegorical story that goes along with the kind of the the uh, bandits of the NCAA, the, the all long time uh, 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 idea of the of the NCAA as the bad guys and the uh, sinful seven the fun Red Dead Redemption-esque uh, bandits of that. And I'm curious, has that a story you'd wanted to write for a while? Or, and you thought, okay, now I can pin to this. Did you guys scramble it together when the furloughs happened at SB Nation? I'm fascinated at how the process even came together so quickly and, it, frankly, so impressively. We scrambled uh, <laughs> to put it together. And it was more an idea to say, okay, well, we're all out we're, we all have at least two to three months to do something. What would we want to do? And, you know, for me, it was less a matter of very carefully gauging what the next step in my career is going to be and thinking <laughs> about, you know, where this puts me brand wise and what my profile would be. And I don't mm-hmm. think it was that for anyone else either. We just wanted to work on something and realize we had the freedom to do it. And if we managed to, get a little bit of extra money, you know, and buyout season for the rest of us, then uh, we were going to go ahead and do that. So it, that's the, the the MO here was it's fun to write with these guys. And we've always had fun writing with each other, not just like in group posts, but, you know, in, in actually doing genuinely collaborative shit. So we just decided to do it. The idea itself the idea itself just, you know, we'd always, I think all of us had always wanted to write about the NCAA and all of us really like Westerns. Uh, 
So it doesn't get much deeper than that. You know, like, I'm going to give you very disappointing answers in some respects, but I think very pleasing ones in others. And this is probably one of the ones where those overlap because, you know, like a lot of times people, a lot of times people go, well, I chose this genre because of this. Yeah, well, you know, the idea was not to do anything we didn't want to do. And the idea was, I think, for everyone involved, for myself, for Alex Kirshner, for Jason Kirk, and for Richard Johnson, I think the idea was always, if we don't like it, we don't have to mess with it anymore, do we? We can just only do the fun stuff. And it just so happened that the fun stuff for us was a kind of magical allegory about the early days of college athletics and amateurism. That's a very peculiar and kind of deranged idea of fun, but again, not in surprising territory here. Well, I've been reading your stuff, I mean, forever, as almost as long as I have been an adult, which is to say a couple of weeks. And mm. so I am, a, I've been reading your stuff forever. And it's funny, I, I've, I, when you read someone as long as I've read you, I feel like I've got an idea for your voice and things that turn where, but I have to say, you have a, uh, an affinity for writing the old uh, for that kind of like paperback western uh, sort of idea is that something you always wanted to do? Have you read a lot of these to kind of capture their voice, or do, is it really just playing a lot of Red Dead Redemption? I mean, really, the biggest influence on that voice there's there's when you go okay, well, it, it's hard, and you've you've written several books, so you know this. There's a very for anyone who does it the first time you attempt to write is always the first time. It doesn't matter. You don't go, oh, hey, I'm slipping into leech mood. No, you you go like, well, <laughs> Never do, do that. No, never. <laughs> it's, you've, it's very tipper. It's a great place to be, man. You know, like you wrote, you wrote a YA novel, a novel. I don't, I wouldn't have the first goddamn clue how to even start with a footing of how I was going to talk to young adults, right? Like, <laughs> like that's that's a challenge. I just it? I just turned my chair backwards and said we were going to rap. That was actually how it started. <laughs> you know, like maybe. <laughs> like, what if you did that and it rocked? You know, like, I I don't know. You know, I think if anyone anyone who's ever read anyone who put a, a book together, when you meet the person or when you read their next thing, you go, oh, they might have just gotten lucky. Like that's a I always think about when Dinosaur Jr. They're one of the one of the few groups of people who've ever met Thomas Pynchon. And, you know, I don't think and, I knew that. Yeah, no, like like Thomas Pynchon was a big Dinosaur Jr. fan, so he showed up at one of their shows. And Dinosaur Jr. said, you know, the or the interviewer asked Dinosaur Jr., "Hey, you know, guys, like Thomas Pynchon showed up?" And they're like, "Yeah, he wasn't as articulate as you think he'd be." <laughs> <laughs> oh, which you know like the, all, all that's all to say it's a production right? Right, and right, right, right. so when i thought like well how's this going to sound how do you consistently want to sound um my first panic was getting things from point a to b because i just forget stuff like i'm one of those people who will go you know there are four horses and you know 30 pages later if you ask me how many horses I'm supposed to be writing about. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, it could be a number anywhere between two and 20. Like, who knows? There might just be horses who have randomly wandered into the scene. And I don't feel, I don't feel a, a, an innate need to clarify or care that, that, <laughs> that you need clarity on this, right? Is there, are there three horses? I'm like, just go with the story, man. Just yeah, let just it rock. It. <laughs> Does it slap? Does it slap? You know? Um, right. But in that case, like I, the, the things that I went, well, I think I can, consistently like i was one worried about making the nouns and verbs line up so that everybody got you know because you're writing about multiple characters so the hardest thing for me was literally like 
making sure I didn't leave somebody trapped like a sim in a pool. You know that I that I wasn't. <laughs> this left behind is gone. Yeah, like I like I I will do that. So that was really like any sort of tone may be an accident because it's really just me trying desperately to not be an idiot and to get everything uh, at the proper time happening at the right rate and with the correct characters in the correct place and names. That's that's the hardest thing for me. But the second thing that influenced me in that was. I my favorite book ever, my favorite big book. Like if you go, oh man, what's your favorite big book ever? Because I think that's what people, isn't that what people mean when they say that's hey, what, what they're asking? Yeah. What's your right. favorite novel? You know, and you're like, oh, that's a book that makes a noise when it hits the ground, <laughs> like a big noise. <laughs> right. You know, they're not asking you like, hey, did you, you know, do you really like, you know, crying a lot forty nine? Because right. now that's like only one hundred and eighty pages or something. No, they're asking you like, give me a big pretentious book, and the answer for me is kind of an unpretentious answer i've always loved lonesome dove by larry mcmurtry that's an amazing amazing book and the voice in that book like the voice in sinful seven that i write in is somewhere between larry mcmurtry and a really shitty imitation of charles portis that's 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 really like the two that's kind of where i ended up and that's not super intentional that's just if you're writing a western and you're trying to be real flat and factual and you're trying to occasionally, you know, say things in the way that you would normally say them, which in my case, you know, tries usually skews a little bit towards, you know, rye. It's where I'm aiming. It's not where I hit, but it's where I try to aim. That's where I try to land. And that's, you know, if you're a little dry and you're right in a Western and uh, you're a little angry, you're going to end up somewhere between Larry McMurtry and Charles Portis. Well, if it makes you feel better, that's exactly how you write a YA book. It's just exactly yeah. like that. So it's easy. I'm on it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, so it, you know, and I, I, I'm starting to keep focusing on the process on this, but like, I'm trying to get the timeline right of when uh, all the espionation stuff goes down. April, May. Uh, let's see. That yeah, that happens in May. Okay, so that happens, and this this comes. I mean, like it's been. I guess it was three months. Three months after mm-hmm. that, did you yeah. guys? I, I, I'm not a Slack person. I, I I don't know if you you all slacked. I I've I've, I've had no coworkers in so long. That I just be. Uh, I need a Slack for the household now. Apparently, that everyone's home all the time. That would but really like, that would really help, honestly. Yeah, yeah. But did you the. Once, like, the shock of it or the surprise of it or the sadness of it kind of wears off, that kind of idea of, like, we're going to we're gonna get this thing and put this out. I know you talk about it, it's not, like, a branding thing or, like, trying to make money. But, like, at a certain level, you know, there is a certain of uh, we're not done with this yet. Whatever this thing that we have that we've been working on for so long, we're not done with this yet. Did did you float the idea to them? Was it just a, we, we want to do something overarching about the NCAA and I have this Larry McMurtry thing I want to try, uh, or is is it like because one of the amazing things about the book to me is how well it does flow between your story and stuff that Alex does, and I think that the Richard's story about uh, Jack Trice is really great, and but it all does seem to flow in a way that, uh, frankly, um, it makes me think that the people that are that are being paid to work on my to edit my own book are like being overpaid because they it, it flows that it makes something that that i they are certainly seems from my angle very difficult it flows pretty well in the book is that just working together for years and years how, how did you structure how it was all going to go uh kind of from the get-go with the four of you well that wasn't the initial structure yeah like yeah i think it flowed because we we thought okay we could make it work like that's job one if you're working on a multi person project if you're working on a group project is saying 
we all have to have faith that this is going to get off the ground and that if we have to move the wings mid-flight, it's not a big deal. We're not going to crash. And even if we do crash, that's fine. This is a zero-stakes project. They're my favorite kind of projects where you just have no expectations whatsoever and you can really do some like outright dangerous things and nobody's really going to care. That's my favorite thing to do. So the reason I think it moves together really well um, was originally the structure was all over the place and we thought we would be able to bounce back and forth between the two stories. And then um, I think it was Jason. Jason was like, yeah, I just, I don't know if structurally this is going to work to which the rest of us said, Oh, you're completely right. This will be absolute. Like we're already way out on a limb. We can't ask you to take an experimental story structure as well. So as a group, we landed on the solution of of what I deemed the uh, the grindhouse solution, which was to take just to say, or yeah, in my head, but nobody knows this because I'm I'm not only as not only like uh, like e ninety bit film snobbish but also older none of them had seen chunking express so i was like oh it's chunking express we'll just do it like that to which they were like what and i was like okay it's grindhouse they're like ah kind of maybe like even that was a little old i had to be like okay look y'all two stories we're just doing it like novella two stories we'll do a you know story a story b you know oh okay yeah and and everyone agreed on that as the group solution and that's pretty much the way it went down and all of these decisions were made like the amazing thing with working with this group. And I haven't mentioned Tyson Whiting yet because um, I'm just being remiss. Tyson was as much of a creative partner as anyone in this project, um, if not more so because he's got the thing people actually see, which are the visuals. And we knew we wanted visuals because people like looking at shit. They do. It's just easier. Like books with pictures are easier. Tolkien, Tolkien had this down like long before anyone else. Right. That it's cool to have maps and pictures. That was another thing we kept saying through the whole thing was, oh, yeah, maps are cool. <laughs> well, 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 why? Well, maps are just cool. Don't you want to open up? Like, don't you want a world? Don't you don't you want, you know, don't don't you want to go ahead and, and see where these people are? Like, that's that's where I that's where I really realized that, you know, we were working with the right people was was everybody agreed we needed pictures and maps. But but. Tyson Whiting, who was also, you know, it just an, an indispensable member of this. Like, if we needed a solution structurally, visually, he was like, oh, it can just look like this. We'll just make it look like this. I think that's another reason it works is that all of the all of the breaks and all of the obvious divides in the stories have these big visual accents. And that helps. You know, we we're trying to at every point we were trying to go. You're already way out on this limb with us. Let's make this transition out here as easy as we can make it. It's funny because I've read, obviously I've read you for a long time. I've read you know, everyone else involved in, in the project as well for a long time. And so I, I, you already kind of have me. Like you'd have to go really far off that limb for me to be like, you know what? I don't like these guys anymore. Like, this is too much for me. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 you have to go pretty far. You might actually have to have a chapter in the middle that's like, Leech is a dick. Like, here's why. For no reason, we're just tossing this in the middle of how we personally dislike this guy. Uh, and even then, it would be hard, to be honest. But I'm curious, when you do it, like, obviously, uh, there, there's a build off the built-up fan base that you've put together uh, for a long time. And those are the people that are going to come after you. But 
I have to say one of the things I thought was kind of interesting about the book is I feel like they're like, listen, I live in, I live in Athens. You know, I, mm-hmm. everybody here talks about college football uh, all the time uh, across the board. Um, every single place I ever go all the time. I, my, my favorite thing is to tell people that I write about sports and they're like, oh, so you cover the dogs. And I'm like, no, I actually write about, I mean, I guess I write like one piece of, about them. Like, But the idea that I would write about something or sports that wasn't Georgia feels like weird <laughs> and strange to them, yeah. which I suppose is, I, it makes a certain amount of sense. Um, but those people also, as much as they might care about Georgia, they, you know, you and I are old blog people. Like there's a certain kind of sensibility. There's a certain kind of obsessiveness. If you're reading your stuff and reading Richard's stuff and reading Alex's stuff and reading Jason's stuff for a long time, you really do care about this stuff. Like this is, and so- so there's a built-in kind of fan base there. What I found kind of really fun about this book, and frankly a little surprising for particularly as, as quickly put, as put together as it was, it does feel like a book I could give to someone who does not know any of your guys' work. And they probably need to know a little bit, at least a basic amount about college football. But it feels like a book I could give to them and say, I think you will enjoy this even if you've never heard of any of this stuff at all. Um, but – that I was surprised by that because I really, it really felt like it was going to be uh, just how way quickly it was. And it's this group that you guys had all I said the furloughs had happened and it felt like a we're, we're keeping this going, let's go. It, it felt like it, it would be more insidery than it is. Uh, do you want this to be like a like was that always part of the idea that like not so much this is a thing for a shout out to the people that were with us forever, but the an idea of a legit like kind of crossover thing to like not only find new people but even inform people and make them think differently about the NCAA in a way they might not have before one of the reasons why tyson whiting is so important to the project as the graphic designer is that um to have a specific look you know there's so many things that you take in when you pick up a book or or when you engage with when you engage with anything that just give you that puts you in a spot even if you don't know you're being put in that spot and picking it up and seeing an old west font and seeing that it was obviously kind of in a mode I think was super important because people get in that mode first and they're not thinking sports book. A sports book puts you in a certain mode. We didn't want people in that mode. I think that whether it was totally intentional or not, you know, we all, I think most of us who've written about college football in particular for a long time have gotten to the same point where you don't see the sport as being uh, separate or not of a piece with the rest of America as a whole. In fact, it seems closer to the core of what we are and what this entire experiment is about, which is unpaid labor and screwing people <laughs> consistently <laughs> over and over again in spectacular fashion. So I, I think that was that was definitely at the core of how we wanted to relate to people. So it was definitely for the hardcores in terms of concept. But once you get to that concept, everyone had, you know, to a person had a real dedication to, no, this should read like a story. You should be able to follow it. It shouldn't take up. It should it should be familiar and it should take you to places that you might not think you're going, but at the same time, by working in that mode, it should spring a couple of surprises on you along the way about not just the sport, but the characters and the sort of world that they're inhabiting. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Uh, irritatingly so. 
um, uh, distribution wise, uh, for me, it's been, uh, first off the, I, I always, I always love anything that reminds me of both old internet and like, you know, uh, um, uh, early days of, uh, of music online where you pay what you want. Just, it always feels, you know, it, it's, I'm sure there are stories of people that say, pay what you want for something. And it totally failed. And they're like, why did we give that away? We should have charged $80 for that. But generally speaking, I find it's usually actually when you trust your audience, it actually makes a big difference. And it seems to have done very well for, for you all. Does it feel, uh, you know, that said, you're still stuck talking to me a couple of, uh, a while back after it's gone out, you're, you're still in like promotion mode, uh, uh, I suppose. Do you, would you want to go through this specific process? Like if, if, a, if a publisher came to you and said, oh, we love The Simple Seven, please, would we'd like for you to do that for us. But here are all the things that we have to do now. Would you want to go through that process or would you want to do it like this again? I would, uh, I would do it like this. I don't see any reason to use the publisher. None. Absolutely none. I don't see the reason to engage in... I don't see the reason to ask for anyone's input at all outside of the group. I really don't. I am not the person who has the A&R room man in the studio while I'm cutting a track. (laughs) You either like it or you don't. You pick it up. Like I don't know. Maybe 10 years ago that would have been cool. But like in terms of the only time I've ever enjoyed even thinking about writing a book, much less finished anything close to book length is this. And it's because I wasn't worrying about whether it was marketable, saleable, or whether anyone would buy it. I really don't give a shit. Like, and that, that sort of freedom, that's there, there is no cap to the value on that. So no, I don't think working. And that's not because I've had extraordinarily negative experiences with publishers or agents but i just don't like being told thing one about an idea not working don't crit like if somebody has that idea right and they really want to do it and they're going to end up doing it like that's let them do it don't try to say well you know wouldn't it be better if you did this no like the world is full of bad ideas that became great books like terrible ideas like give me the pitch for any book that you really enjoyed and I guarantee you, it, there's parts of it that just sound absolutely awful. You know, just to like as a callback to an earlier book referenced, uh, Lonesome Dove. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to drop a thousand page Western in like 1988 <laughs> or 86, whenever McMurtry published it. That sounds like, you know, that's box office poison to a lot of people. There may be three or four people who go, oh, yeah, dope. That'll be great. And those three or four people would have ended up being right, but no one's right or wrong when it starts. None. Like I, every idea, I mean, just like name, name another book. Okay. The big sleep. I love the big sleep. You know, the big sleep does completely forgets who gets killed in like the first 10 pages (laughs) is never even answered. There are publishers like pinheads, little bot people who would say, well, I can't publish this. We don't even solve the first murder. Right? People would have said that with a straight face. Just go ahead and do it. I don't want anyone's impact on this. I mean, maybe that's a sign that I still enjoy writing. If that's good, because I'm passionate enough about it to just go, no, I really don't care what you say about this or think about it. You know, I know whose input I want. And if I ask them, they'll give it to me. But someone I don't know, someone who just has a reputation as an editor, or God forbid, Someone from the Northeastern Industrial Media Complex? No, no, no. They can kiss my whole ass. I don't care. I would only do it this way moving forward. So do you have the Jones to do another one? I don't know. I really liked writing a Western. Like, that was really fun. 
Like that was, if I could do Pulp Westerns all day, absolutely, you know? And it was, it was extraordinarily fun because you get to write about people who have like, they get to just like, cause I really like writing about death and uh, it's very in violence and it's very like you, you start with that. You don't have to get to it. Right. I don't have to do some sort of construct to go a normal man push to the brink. No, I could just start at the brink. Right. <laughs> like a genre where somebody starts at the brink is really, I mean, that's why I like football. Like football gets straight to the point. We don't have to do this thing where, well, now we get to the violent part. No, that starts at the snap. You know, we're engaged. My attention span's real short. Are you, I'm curious if how, your experience with football, college football. Now, there's a great line uh, uh, Alex Kirshner has in this, I, and I, I made sure to write it down, that the, the history is a series of moments. The, the college football history is a, his, uh, is a history of moments uh, that where powerful people came closest to, close to realizing that the, their idea of college sports was incompatible with reality, but plowed ahead anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. That feels like a very accurate representation of what we've seen uh, in the in the last uh, month or so. Are you watching? Are you are you watching? Are you invested? Does it feel different? Because I'm I'm struggling with this myself. Uh, I mean, I, I I still love it, and it's different, but that's okay. But I, I I'm curious, how engaged are you with college football in this particular way it's being played uh, right now in the pandemic? Well, I got a TV show, so I kind of have to watch it. Um, well, I didn't. I'm not asking you to make a moral choice you know, not to like, watch it, but I mean, how do yeah, you feel? You know. How do you feel? Like honestly, um, you've been watching this your entire life. This is different and particularly the way that it kind of has been pushed into happening i listen i also get paid to write about sports that i may have moral qualms one way or the other but it is different does it feel different does it feel like part of the history like honestly how do you feel watching it i don't know if i feel any more conflicted than i always have because um and and i think if you're honest you're, you're probably that way about you know, any number of things in your life. There was an old Bloom County where um, Binkley ultimately decided he was going to do no harm in life. and He ended up tying himself upside down to a tree by his heels so he wouldn't bruise the grass. And that's kind of where I'm at going, well, if I follow all of my thoughts to their logical end, it goes right there. And that includes football. And that includes watching football in a pandemic, which is... It's profoundly silly. I don't know if it's any more or less profoundly silly than any number of things people are doing. You know, personally, in terms of my own choices, I'm pretty good with how I've handled it, you know, and I think that it's a very grim and very dystopian thing to be playing in front of cardboard standouts and in front of video boards. And um, it does feel different. You know, I talked with I talked to Scott Pell about this the other day, and it was I was relieved because he beat me to it, saying you know, hey, this this feels different and weird. You know, does it feel different and weird to you? And yeah, it's going to feel different because, especially because, you know, the particular reason I love college football is the absurdity and community surrounding that. And that's gone. Game's completely devoid of that right now. It's just empty stadiums. And in a place like the Big Ten or like the SEC, that that matters a lot in terms of the environment in terms of the vibe you're getting off of the sport it's it's like watching i think the best comparison i can make is right now it's like watching elaborate scrimmages really elaborate scrimmages and i felt that way about the nba as well like i think that the nba in the bubble has been awesome and they've done it better than anyone else has and it still feels 
like it's just got a big old asterisk on it, which is fine. That's, that's just where we are. Yeah, I feel like I have to trick myself. I, w- I went to the first the first weekend of baseball. I went to a game in Cincinnati, and it took me like two weeks to forget that experience because all I remember from the game is just the droning of the air conditioner. Yeah, you never like, heard it before, right? <laughs> and and it really, it's just it's not. And it took me a while because now I feel like I can watch a game. I, I find generally speaking, I don't want to go too much on the rabbit hole because we don't have so much time. But I find generally speaking, even stuff that like. You know, I'm sure by if Georgia loses uh, loses one of these games uh, to, to Auburn, Alabama, everyone is going to freak out. But on the whole, I've generally felt a lot of the Kirby got to go if he don't win a championship this year feels at least temporarily replaced from replaced with, you know, I'm just kind of grateful that this is happening. <laughs> I just feel like I like, and not to say that like uh, with the same kind of idea that like, this is a larger thing. And my, my pleasure is not the only thing that matters in this situation, but you know, as hard as this is for everyone, the idea of having a college football game or having a baseball game, I, I usually have always blanched at that idea when a, a broadcaster say it's a good distraction from the world. And it's a, and you know, it's a way to escape your problems and woes. And I've always kind of felt it bullshit. Yeah. I've understood it more this year than I've ever understood it before. I mean, I, I, I think it is, but it's also, it's also right there. <laughs> like it's, uh, you know, like it is, it is, it is weird to see something that's been such a fixed pole and, and, a, you know, a guide star in people's lives get affected as much as the people, if not more so, because there are people whose jobs really haven't changed that much. And yet football players have had to change how they do everything. And, you know, it's, it is so, and, and it's, even the good things about it are, have this really weird edge when you talk about anything positive about this situation, even the hidden positives. You go, well, hey, listen, man, players are just going to be like more tightly medical, mon- medically monitored and get, get better health care than they've ever gotten and get more information about their bodies. And then I thought, is that something we really want football programs to have? Also, it's a very sad statement to go, wow, they're finally going to get the health care they deserve. <laughs> right. In the United States because of football. That's a, yeah, you put yourself in a real bleak spot talking that way. That is, that's the kind of shit that, that, that even, you you can't even escape it in the middle of being really happy that your team, your team hung 51 on Old Miss, which I want to mention my team did hang 51 on Old yes. Miss the other day. <laughs> yes. Well done. Um, all right. Well, I, uh, for the, as I said, I am excited for, uh, I love the book and I'm excited the fact that you did it. And I think I mentioned this on one, I believe on what your, uh, your last day or one of your last days at SB Nation. I really feel like I've read just about every word you've written for like 15 years. I still am not entirely convinced that Deadspin would have ever gotten big had it not been for Carl Monday uh, on your side initially. I just don't think that would have ever happened and then no one would have ever cared. Um, and just because he was wearing an Ohio, because because uh, the poor kid was wearing an Ohio State t-shirt. Uh, I will, I really feel like that changed the course of history. So, um, at least my history. So, Spencer, I love the book. I'm excited. Uh, I, I really want everyone to read it. And uh, and even if you're not into college football, uh, I really think that there's a lot of value in, in get, not only giving the book a chance, but frankly, I love the idea of three or four uh, uh, dime paperback book western books from spencer hall every year can you make that happen for me uh you know we could do one one one, one, <laughs> one would be fine well one a year is pretty ambitious so let's take i wrote like half of one this time so <laughs> if you can if i can get to three quarters i'll feel pretty by the time i'm 50 i'll feel pretty good about that you know but like yeah i uh, i couldn't encourage anybody listening to this um to to read it more uh than by saying that 
we do all the following in the book. Um, Jason Kirk and Richard Johnson and Alex Kirshner and I combined stage a train robbery. Uh, there's kind of, uh, there's speaking with the dead. We had to have that. There's an enormous horse. There's uh, explosions. Uh, somebody does get set on fire because I had to have a man get set on fire. <laughs> right? Um, there are female protagonists having discussions about each other without referencing a man. Right? <laughs> So we oh, I checked. I checked the Bechdel test. For the minute I sat down to read the book, I made sure. We did. No, this book his. This book, 100% passes the Bechdel <laughs> test, right? You could make many other feminist criticisms of this book, but it does pass the Bechdel <laughs> test. And and also, um, also we, we, kill, we kill an infamous racist. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. like, like an infamous... Gloriously. Story. Gloriously. Gloriously. <laughs> There's a fantastic murder of a racist. Like, a really savory enjoyable mm-hmm. murder of a racist in this so what would you like i keep waiting for somebody to read the book and go hey i can't why'd y'all do that to poor why'd you do that to him <laughs> and i'm like why didn't we uh, that should have been page one okay for the record if you do get one of those i please let the world no <laughs> we, we, haven't, we haven't got anybody who was on board with the whole agenda so until far. then <laughs> like, took a left turn at that no like, okay. now you've gone too far off <laughs> No, pretty much everybody who's read that part, you know, has been like, yeah, right on, man. Yeah. <laughs> I love that idea, though. Someone's just like, yeah, it's just, it's just, you know what? I, I'm willing to give you the experimentation of the form, but uh, now you've crossed the line. Um, okay, so the book is The Sinful Seven. Uh, sci-fi western legends of the NCAA and also yes you mentioned your show I wanted to make sure to call out your show Thinking Out Loud SEC Network 7pm uh, every Monday uh, 7pm Eastern every Monday if you're in Alabama at 6pm oh, 7pm yeah. uh, would... every mo- every Monday on the SEC Network I'm excited for you to do that I'm excited pretty much for everything you do Spencer so I'm I'm elated to have you on thank you for coming on and chatting with me and uh, and good luck uh, getting back to, uh, to uh, being at home with your family all the time like me is every single minute of every single day Ah, yeah, that's, it's right there, man. It's right yep, there past constant. this door, and I'm about to jump back into it. I know, so am I. <laughs> All right. Uh, be safe, Ed. Thank you very much, and best of luck with the book, and best of luck with everything. Yeah, same to you, man. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> <laughs>